Hey, pastors, we know you love your clerical shirt because of what it means, but how does it feel? Under all those vestments, is it hot and sticky? Is it too tight, too loose, or just not comfortable? Wicking Vicar has the solution for you. The Performance Clerical Shirt, featuring four-way stretch to let you move and moisture-wicking fabric to keep you cool. Plus, it's machine washable and wrinkle-resistant. Visit wickingvicar.com and treat yourself to more stretch, more movement, and easy care. The Performance Clerical from wickingvicar.com. wickingvicar.com. Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for Concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-centered leader in confessional broadcasting, Worldwide KFUO, online at kfuo.org. Greetings in the name of Christ and welcome to Concord Matters a show that seeks to follow Paul's words from Romans chapter 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We seek this harmony in Christ through the clear and concise teachings confessed in the book of Concord. I'm your new host, Brady Finner, District President of the Minnesota North District. I'm humbled to be following the faithful teaching and proclamation of my, my brother, Pastor Sean Smith, and to be continuing with Worldwide KFUO, because it truly is Christ for you anytime, anywhere. We will begin our time united in Christ, confessing the truth of God's word by going back to the basics, Luther's small catechism. So as we look at this, we, we think of it as something maybe we did in the past, something that you put away on your bookshelf just to show that you did it. But you know what? Today, we go back to the basics. So dust off your Christ-filled, trusty little book as we look to Martin Luther's preface to the small catechism. If you have any questions concerning our study of the small catechism today or any time that we study this, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. And also, I wanted to do something that I did on Thy Strong Word many times, is we know that KFUO is worldwide. Therefore, I want to hear from you, even if you don't have a question, telling us where you are studying from. When we were on Thy Strong Word, we had people across the world, in Russia and Japan and the Philippines and Jamaica and South America, listening to us continuously and sending us emails with questions. We want to hear from you. Where are you studying, and where is the Lord blessing you as you listen to KFUO worldwide? KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. So today, as we begin this confession of faith, joining us is the Reverend Dr. Leonard Payton, pastor of St. John Lutheran Church in Forest Park, Illinois. Pastor Payton, welcome to the Concord Matters. Thank you. It's a delight to be with you. Pastor, we are um, looking at the small catechism. And I'm going to start this way. When I think of the small catechism, if you would have asked me in ninth grade, I would have said, okay, the small catechism was made so that young teenagers can gather on Wednesday nights to be forced to memorize the contents that one day I'll wear a robe and be able to have some cake and oh yeah, maybe the Lord's Supper. But maybe there's more to it than just that. Pastor, what's the intention of the small catechism? What would you say? 
Well, uh, Luther in his preface uh, talked about what the intention was, and that was that it was first, well, in the preface itself, he describes it as really almost an emergency manual for, for underprepared pastors. Um, he recognized having visited a number of parish churches <clears throat> in, in the not too distant past that uh, they just were not up to teaching what needed to be taught. So he needed to give them a very, very simple document that they could uh, work from. But uh, embedded within that, uh, I think, was really the true intention of the catechism, because you see it at the, at the uh, top of the chief parts. <clears throat> so, for example, the very first one, the, the Ten Commandments, uh, you open up to the beginning of the catechism, it says Ten Commandments, as the head of the family should teach, it, uh, teach them in a simple way to his household. It was primarily for dads to teach at home. Uh, and, and indeed, the uh, earliest printings of the small catechism, if memory serves me correctly, were um, large, um, like posters, uh, are the first three parts so that you could actually tack them on the, the wall of the kitchen and dining room and, and dad then could uh, lead the family. He could speak and they could hear his voice and repeat after him uh, and, and, and learn it. it. Luther seems to have derived this uh, from, from the, uh, the genius of, of Deuteronomy. Um, you know, uh, in Deuteronomy, the, Moses is giving the people of Israel some last instructions before they go in to possess uh, the promised land. And he had a fair bit to say about family life and, uh, and, and really catechism. So in that, that famous chapter six, where they, uh, even to this day, every Jewish boy, uh, at his bar mitzvah repeats this creed hero, Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Uh, but then it, it, it continues, uh, from there. Uh, this is in Deuteronomy chapter six. Um, uh, hero Israel, the Lord, your, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your uh, might. And these words I command you today, uh, and they shall be on your heart. And here it is. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You, you see, it was, it, it, it was to be just like grieving in family life that, that the father would speak these statutes. Well, going on actually in the, uh, uh, verse 20 of that chapter, uh, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of, uh, there's that Lutheran question, right? What does this mean? When your son asks you, what is the meaning of the testimonies and statutes and rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, and there's this fixed form, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed us signs and wonders, great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household, before our eyes, and he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes 
and to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as, it is, as we are this day. So, so you can see there already the, the, the life of catechism within, within the family is, is established as normal for God's people. And I think Luther really, really poured that into the character of the small catechism. It was for dads to use. Oh, and, and, and let me let me extend that a little further. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually a whole lot easier than one might think. Um, and, and dad doesn't have to be a rocket scientist. Dad just has to uh, uh, read the words out loud in the kids' hearing. And just have the kids repeat them. And I think this should even start even before the baby is born. A baby's ears can hear already even, oh, I know two or three months before birth can hear just fine. Water is a great conductor of sound. That baby can hear dad's voice. And when little children hear dad say these words exactly this way, uh, they learn effortlessly. Instead, what do we do? We wait until they're junior high when their hormones are just absolute havoc and we don't know what they are from one hour to the next. And it's a marvel that a junior high kid learns anything. <laughs> uh, but, but that's when we uh, tend to apply uh, the catechism and not really uh, dad teaching it, but haul them into church and have the pastor teach it or haul them into the parochial school and have the school teach it. Uh, much better to do it really right from infancy. Uh, yeah, I think I can leave it at that. It's you know, and Pastor, this is so great because the perception, well, perception becomes reality for us, and the perception is, oh, okay, so the small catechism is you take um, hormonal, tired kids at six thirty at night, at least in our church, it was that way. On Wednesday nights, after they had a long day, they, they have practice, or if they're in hockey, they have practice after. Sit down now and learn on the, about this book. And then there's, then there's misperceptions. For example, we live in a very uh, historically um, inept culture. And I'm going to tell my own story, is that I, I was in eighth grade. And this is totally not anyone else's fault but my own. I guaranteed I was not listening very well, but I remember I went to my mom. I was probably, you know, maybe a few months into confirmation, eighth grade, going to confirm my faith in, in April. And, uh, and, I, and I asked my mom, I said, Mom, why do we have a book written by Martin Luther King Jr.? And why are we studying it? And my mom, oh, a blessed Lutheran she is. Her job was to the ground. And my dad's a pastor, by the way, and it wasn't his fault. I can guarantee he brought it up. <laughs> but I just totally right. did not know. So that night, I got a full-fledged, full-octane history of Martin Luther. So, Pastor, this was not written by Martin Luther King Jr. Who was it written by? <laughs> right. Right. And, and, and even as I hear you tell this, I think you've just given an illustration of what catechism is and does because you had lived in a culture where you had heard over and over and over and over and over about Martin Luther King Jr. So that the moment you heard Martin Luther, your, uh, your brain went down the track to Martin Luther King Jr., mm-hmm. which is 
you know, to say nothing against Martin Luther King Jr., but, but it does tell us a whole lot about the way brains and catechism look. Um, all right, so mm-hmm. Martin Luther, here's Martin Luther, quick and dirty, um, born, what, 1483 um, into a Roman Catholic family. Everyone was Roman Catholic then. And um, crushed, really, by that faith because it, it, it demanded so many different works. And, uh, and his conscience just was crushed by that. And then uh, some years later, as he was studying, he managed to get hold of a Bible and read it and, and, and read the words of St. Paul and began to recognize that, that really uh, Jesus does all the saving and Jesus gives faith. Uh, he gives it to us through his word and sacrament. He gives it generously. He gives it profusely. And, and it, 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 was, it was like a cloud lifted for this poor guy. And, of course, he just wanted to give it to anyone else. And it began to come out of its pores. And, uh, it, 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 you know, and it, it happened uh, incrementally. Uh, you know, we often date the beginning of the Reformation as October 31st and 1517 uh, with the posting of the 95 Theses. The, uh, that kind of grace that Martin Luther was uh, learning about, uh, it was there in those 95 Theses. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't real clear, but it was there. And the opposition picked up on that and began to recognize the implications, uh, in particular, that it was going to hurt the pocketbook of the Roman Catholic Church. And so the opposition began right then, and it was fierce and it was vigorous. Well, that forced Luther to, uh, to work even harder at understanding his faith, and he wrote profusely, and his writings were just spreading like wildfire. Um, and, and then the, uh, finally, he was hauled in before uh, the Holy Roman Empire on, uh, in, in, in 1523, and, and, uh, and it was demanded of him that he uh, recant of all, that, uh, of all these books that he'd written. And he, he, he thought about them carefully and thought, you know, really, I've been teaching here what's in, in the Holy Scriptures, and so it's not wise for me. Uh, it, 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 to go against conscience and against holy scriptures, and so oh well, here I stand. Well, nonetheless, around him had uh, a, a movement had taken off, if you will, um, that didn't really fully understand what he was uh, teaching, and uh, and that movement uh, co-opted some of his thoughts and turned it into really a social justice movement. So that uh, a lot of peasants uh, revolted. This was what fifteen twenty four twenty five thereabouts, um, and and there was a lot of bloodshed, and and this of course troubled Luther uh, a whole lot, and, um, and 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 from that then there was a need to really figure out what people knew and and believed, and from that then came this systematic. Uh, visiting of uh, of local parish churches, where he discovered that the uh, the parish churches were in really very uh, sad shape. That the, the pastors were 
woefully um, unprepared, uh, often quite lazy, uh, and that there was just a, a misuse of the sacraments, and people didn't know the basic texts of our Christian faith, you know, the Ten Commandments and, and the Creed and the Lord's Prayer. And that then became uh, the reason for writing this uh, small catechism. As we look at the history, we look at, in the 1525, Luther was already thinking about, how can, I, how can we teach the children? And you know this was deep in the mind already. That He actually wrote a children's catechism at that time. It was not the small catechism, but he was working with his colleagues um, uh, and, and trying to tell them, okay, you guys do this. I'm busy. I got stuff going on, whatever it might be. He's teaching. He's preaching. And, and then it gets to the point where he makes these visits to Saxony, and he comes back. I mean, it's like, you know, it's his, his, his head is to the ground. He's probably on his knees just pleading with the Lord. I can almost see this in this preface that he's, I can imagine him on his knees in front of a cross and just like, oh my gosh, it is far worse than I ever imagined. <laughs> That's kind of how I envision him writing the small catechism. So pastor, I want to start reading the preface to kind of get that feeling out. Sure. Um, and it, yeah, so just envision, I encourage you, our listeners, envision what what's Luther doing as he writes these words? Because it's quite, I mean, he's very direct in these words. Of course, we always know that Luther would be. So, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to start start here is that we are reading from the Luther small catechism. Most of our study will be in the Lutheran confessions, the reader's edition. But for starting with the Luther, Luther small catechism, we'll be using the 2017 version of Luther's Small Catechism with Explanation from Concordia Publishing House, and I'm reading from page 363, 363 in the appendix of the Small Catechism. And Martin Luther writes, Martin Luther, to all the faithful and godly pastors and preachers, grace, mercy, and peace in Jesus Christ our Lord. The deplorable, miserable condition that I discovered recently when I, too, was a visitor has forced and urged me to prepare this catechism or Christian doctrine in this small, plain, simple form. Mercy, dear God, what great misery I beheld. The common person, especially in the villages, has no knowledge whatever of Christian doctrine. And unfortunately, many pastors are completely unable and unqualified to teach. This is so much so that one is ashamed to speak of it. Yet everyone says they are Christians have been baptized and received the Holy Sacraments, even though they cannot even recite the Lord's Prayer or the Creed or the Ten Commandments. They live like dumb brutes and irrational hogs. Now that the gospel has come, they have nicely learned to abuse all freedom like experts. Pastor, I'm going to stop there. As we, <laughs> Luther didn't hold back. What are your thoughts on his words? Yeah. Mercy, dear God, what great misery I beheld. Yeah, yeah. Luther was, um, when he felt something, he sat it. And, uh, and so I think you're correct. I think we came back uh, really uh, shell-shocked, if you will. Um, yeah, it's it, it just great, great. Uh, uh, Ill illiteracy, uh, and, and so the people are they're just living like animals, like barnyard animals. Yeah. And so the, the basics of this is that 
he went around on these visits. And, and you know, mm-hmm. I have to do more research on this, but it, it appears he didn't make a lot of visits. It's not like he went around for two years just visiting congregations, but he had enough to realize that there was a major issue in the congregations. And he calls them dumb brutes and irrational hogs, which is definitely more, <laughs> um, more direct than we would say in our culture today. But it, it showed something that would we be able to say something similar in our world today? What are your thoughts? Yep. Um, yeah, and, and I, I actually, it seems to me like we are descending back into that, if you will. Um, I, I think, uh, I, I think just general biblical literacy is on a, a solid decline. Uh, I was talking the other day with a, a woman who is a member of, um, a megachurch here in Chicago, an evangelical megachurch. Um, and, and the subject was marriage and divorce. And so I just simply quoted her the words of our Lord from Matthew 19, where Jesus says, you know, and, uh, anyone who divorces and, and remarries except for sexual infidelity, uh, anyone who divorces and remarries in that instant, uh, commits adultery and, and this was a newsflash to her. She never processed that as something so really so basic that she had, a, she had, and she genuinely thought if you divorce, that would be sad, of course, but you, once you were divorced, then you were free to remarry period. And oh my goodness. And we have got such sixth commandment work to do here. And such biblical literacy where the people are living like uh, dumb brutes and irrational hogs at this point. And it's something where we're beyond the Bible says that, but I don't believe it, which I think is an issue that we maybe assume that, for example, this, this lady, she's like, oh, wait, I I know Jesus says that, but I don't really believe that. Now Mm -hmm. it's like, wait, Jesus said that? And so that's a different level of where we're at, which is very similar to what Luther was dealing with as well. Right. She, this, this woman was not recoiling from what Jesus said. She was, she, she was happy to be corrected, but it was complete news to her. Yeah. So let's continue because it, he speaks about in generalities, the point when we spoke to uh, in the first paragraph or second paragraph. Then he looks at the bishops. So let's hear those words. Well, wait a minute. Just oh. Before before you do, yeah. Um, the the uh, it's important to note that when we talk about a bishop, we're, we're really talking about a pastor. Mm-hmm. There, that there really is only one office in the church. So this isn't some high ranking official like a district president. This is just any pastor. <laughs> Well, let's hear the words from Luther. Oh, bishops, (laughs) what answer will you ever give to Christ for having so shamefully neglected the people and never for a moment fulfilled your office? May all misfortune run from you. I do not wish at this place to call down evil on your heads. You command the sacrament in one form and insist on your own human laws. And yet at the same time, you do not care that all, whether the people know the Lord's prayer, the creed, the Ten Commandments, or any part of God's word. Woe to woe to you forever. 
Therefore, I beg all of you for God's sake, my dear sirs and brethren, who are pastors or preachers, to devote yourself heartily to your office. Have pity on the people who are entrusted to you and help us to teach the catechism to the people, especially to the young. And let those who cannot do better take these tables and forms and impress them word for word on the people as follows. So he has some very strong words for the bishops, like you said, the pastors of those that time, the preachers, and and those. He's not getting them off the hook. He's not saying, well, you know, the people just aren't listening to you. They're are they are a major part of the problem. What does he have to say? Yeah, the, the, the context there is that they had only been practicing the sacrament with just giving out only the bread and not the wine. Um, I, I think time fails us to to take that apart, but it was simply an, an inaccurate uh, practice uh, according to our Lord's command. But then he, but then he went on and said, you know, really, you, they just, your people don't even know the 10 commandments, the creed and the Lord's prayer. Come on guys. Enough already get with it here. <laughs> yeah. And so as you look at this, it, it, this is very clear in Luther's mind because at the same time he's writing the small catechism, he's the, the large catechism, catechism is in the works. So he is yeah. really looking at a comprehensive uh, uh, overview of the Christian faith because it is so bad. And what I love about learning about the small catechism is said in 1529 that he actually made large posters that would be posted yeah. up around the church. And I think about that would be really helpful for me because as a kid, I remember, and even now I could go in my son's room and his posters confess something about him, you know? So he's got Adam Thielen, Minnesota Vikings. He's got a gopher poster, Minnesota gopher football. He's got a Minnesota twin poster in his office, in his, in his office, his room. And it confesses something and, and how for us, <laughs> same thing, it confesses great things in my mind, but anyways, it confesses that. And then, but for us, he put those posters up, not only for memorization's sake, but kind of as a confession. This is what we believe, teach, and confess. This is who we are. Any thoughts on, mm -hmm. on this was so much in everything that he did, not only for teaching, but for the care of the souls of all ages. Your thoughts? Yeah. yeah I mean, as I said earlier, this was also made so that you could have it in your house and post it on the wall there and instead of... Um, of, of posters of Minnesota Vikings, you could have the, the Ten Commandments. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like I better I better buy some posters and put it at the very least put it next to them. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but um, <laughs> Pastor, with about a minute left before our break, uh, I'm thinking very strongly about how the small catechism is very important for us today. Any thoughts before we go to our break as we continue on? Well, uh, it, 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 it's, it's important for us because we are an information cluttered world. And so um, having a tool that helps us sort down to things that really matter mm -hmm. is, is important. I mean, you know this, you go on the internet and you just, it, you're, 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 you're at sea without a compass in information. But if you have your small catechism can be recited in 20 minutes on a dead run. It's that simple and that concise. And oh, do we need that? 
And I want to talk more about that on the other side of our break. We are studying the preface to the small catechism with Pastor Leonard Payton, and we'll be right back. Each weekday on The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah, we share and discuss stories of Living Boldly Lutheran. Including missionary updates, mercy work, events and topics applicable to your daily vocations, and maybe some fresh dark roast. The Coffee Hour weekdays at 9 a.m. on KFUO, underwritten by Concordia University, Wisconsin. Welcome back. We are studying the preface to the small catechism here on Concord Matters at KFUO, worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. And we are digging into the small catechism. So I hope by this point, all of you have taken out your small catechism. Maybe it's an old version, a blue version or maroon version. If you're part of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, uh, might be different in different places. Um, but the key thing that Pastor Peyton has brought up, that if you turn to the front, which is the 2007 17 version, and you go to page 13, you'll see the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, right below it, it says, as the head of the family should teach in a simple way to his household. And that's important words for us to realize. It doesn't say as the pastor should teach on Wednesday nights, or that the, the teacher should teach at your Lutheran school. It says the head of the household. Now, pastor, you have a story about this that when you went through confirmation, you don't remember those words um, being in the small catechism. Yet, what do you want to share more about your story? Sure. Um, yeah, I uh, I had a, a catechism that probably I, I'm I'm a baby boomer, and uh, probably most of the baby boomers in the synod used the same catechism that I did. <clears throat> and um, and then in my late teens, I drifted away into other churches and. Um, and for a number of years, uh, but then I was, um, I would say in my early thirties, I was a, a professional church musician at this point. So I was collecting hymnals. I was in the yard sale and found, um, a copy of the, the blue hymnal called Lutheran worship. Now I hadn't grown up with that. So this is a Rip Van Winkle moment for me. I, I grew up with the hymnal that Jesus and the disciples used, namely the Lutheran hymnal of 1941. And so I opened up this, I, I got this blue hymnal and paid a quarter for it. And I opened up to um, page 300 and there was a small catechism. Oh, there's a catechism in the hymnal. That's interesting. And right at the top of that were these words, as the head of the family should teach it in a simple way to his household. And I thought, I don't remember those words. So I went home and I got out my boxes and and, and found my old catechism and opened up. And sure enough, those words were not there. And I thought to myself, oh my, if those words had been there and we had taught them and, I, and they had informed our church life, I don't know that I would have laughed. So at that point, I determined, and, and, and remember, at this point, I was not um, a member of a, of a Missouri Synod Lutheran Church. 
I just determined at home with my kids, they were small at this point, <clears throat> that, that uh, I would I would teach them this catechism. And I just started, at night we would, uh, we would read, you know, Chronicles of Narnia or, or other things. And then uh, before we'd pray and go to bed, I'd say, all right, now I'm going to speak these words and you just repeat them after me. And we'd spend maybe 90 seconds, five minutes tops, uh, really not all that much, but a little bit almost every day. And then I'd pray with them and they'd go to bed. And they learned effortlessly. It, it, they they all memorized it with, without any of the pain that I had gone through, and they just knew it. And and I encourage our listeners to think about the simplistic ways that you can do the same thing. Uh, Pastor Peyton and I started a ministry around the same time and in, in, in the same district, and so I remember hearing this for the first time. My kids were little at the time, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, even I can do that." <laughs> and so it really started a journey for us that is a it's a you know has peaks and valleys no doubt about it i know for me when i would drive the kids to school often we will recite the small catechism not perfect record um, but it is something that has definitely helped them in their confirmation preparation before bed is a great way to do it as well uh and and for us it was it was it was it was so enlightening to hear the simple nature of the small catechism and the questions that always arise. And Pastor, I want to get into that a little bit more later, but those words are very, very important for us to remember that, that it is simple. It's for the home and for us to teach throughout our lives. So let's continue. We are on page 364 of the preface as Martin Luther gives us um, just his first thoughts as we look at the small catechism. And he writes, in the first place, let the preacher above all be careful to avoid many versions of various texts and forms of the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, the Sacraments, and such. He should choose one form to which he holds and teaches all the time, year after year. For young and simple people must be taught by uniform, settled texts and forms. Otherwise, they become confused easily when the teacher today teaches them one way and in a year some other way, as if he wished to make improvements. For then all effort and labor has been spent and teaching is lost. Our blessed fathers understood this well also. They all use the same form of the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, the Ten Commandments. Therefore, we too should be at pains to teach the young and simple people these parts in such a way that we do not change a syllable or set them forth and repeat them one year differently than in another. Therefore, choose whatever form you please and hold to it forever. But when you preach in the presence of learned, intelligent people, you may show your skill. You may present these parts in varied and intricate ways and give them as masterly turns as you are as you are able. But when the young people stick to one fixed, permanent form and manner, teach them, first of all, these parts, Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and so on, according to the text, word for word, so that they too can repeat it in the same way after you and commit it to memory. Pastor, he is very clear on what he desires. One form forever. Your thoughts? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, this is, um, I, I think of this as a, being like um, athletic muscle memory. Mm. You know, in, in muscle memory, you, you perform the same movement exactly the same way over and over. And by the way, this is also true um, in learning to play a musical instrument. It's the same kind of work. 
I, I think back to that, um, that old movie, the karate kid, mm-hmm. uh, where the, uh, where Daniel, uh, Russo, uh, has to do what Mr. Miyagi tells him, uh, wax on, wax off or sand the floor or, uh, paint the wall. And, and, uh, Mr. Miyagi gives him very specific movement to do exactly the same way every time. And Daniel's frustrated because he doesn't see the sense in this. Well, he won't see the sense in it until he actually needs it. Because when he actually needs it, he won't think about it. It will happen immediately. The same is true with the catechism. When we have it inculcated in our minds that deeply, it is the template of all of our thinking so that when, uh, when ideas that are antithetical to our faith uh, attack us, we have this kind of wax on, wax off immediate response that has uh, been given to us by knowing the catechism in one form that doesn't change. Really important to, to stick by one form. And that is difficult. And I've even experienced this when I've taught this in at church, is that you sit and you and you have multiple generations, especially during COVID. We had, you know, we, we kind of just brought everyone together when we could. And and you so you had young people there and you had people who had a version from the you know from the forties and you had people who had version in the sixties and me, I was always in nineteen eighty six is when the version and the LCMS came out, which we still use today. Um, and then, and then you know, nobody in, in that context, but legitimately, you know, 20, 25 years ago, you had some people who learned it in German. So you had a whole different context there. And that is a challenge to try to bring everyone together. Cause then all of a sudden they start arguing about, well, should it be this word or that word? That's not the way I learned it. My way is better than your way. And it gets all messy instead of just going through the text. Like you said, muscle memory, brain memory, obviously God's word memory, which is is, Mm -hmm. in the Holy spirit is at work. So pastor, any other Mm -hmm. thoughts, why that's important for today, especially why it's the same. And it's this over and over and over again. Yeah. I, 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 I'm sure you've seen this, even as you visited people, um, in the rest home and their minds are falling apart. And, um, and, and then you do maybe the, the Lord's prayer and the apostles creed, they, they may not even remember the names of their children, but they can still say the Lord's prayer and the apostles creed. Um, I'm, I'm really, and this, this is conjecture on my part. So anyone can discount this as much as they were. I'm wondering if we're, if we're just setting ourselves up for an epidemic of, of mental collapse, that, that just because we have so loaded ourselves with information that our, our brains are just not going to function as they uh, go into older age. Uh, and, and if that's the case, those who have committed to deep memory, the basic things of our faith are, are, are going to be the people who weather that storm best. I, I, I'm, I'm deeply concerned about that. Uh, I, I, the culture in general is not one that memorizes things that matter. Um, but, but we in the church really ought to set a backfire to that. Let's continue on. We are on page 364. So he's, he's spoken about the importance of the memory, the simplistic, uh, mm-hmm. uh reciting of, of the simple things. I mean, it's really amazing because you would almost think he would have something laid out that says, 
okay, memorize the book of Romans or something. But no, it's, I mean, this is stuff we go through all the time. Ten Commandments, Lord's Prayer, the Creed. You know, I just imagine him snapping his fingers and going through that with, with the young people, with the people in his church. It really is that simple to hit home when you need it. Now he speaks to, because his goal, his concern was the souls of the people he served and the souls and the people in this congregation and a concern about if they don't want to do this, what does this mean? So we continue on page 364. But those who are unwilling to learn the catechism should be told that they deny Christ and are not Christians. They should not be admitted to the sacrament, accepted as sponsors at baptism or practice any part of Christian freedom. They should simply be turned back to the Pope and his officials, indeed to the devil himself. Furthermore, their parents and employers should refuse them food and drink and notify them that the prince will drive such rude people from the country. Although we cannot and should not force anyone to believe, we should insist and encourage the people. That way they will know what is right or wrong for those among whom they dwell and, may, and wish to make their living. Whoever desires to live in a town must know and observe town laws because he wishes to enjoy the protection offered by the laws, whether he is a believer or at heart, and in private, a rascal or rogue. He speaks, Pastor, about if they're not willing to learn these simple uh, parts of the Christian faith. And he speaks in a way that is, is very vital, but like I said, we don't talk this way very often. Why does he speak this way? And well, how does that relate to today? Hmm. Yeah, actually, when we get into the large catechism, he, he gets even uh, rougher. He says, don't let them eat. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he speaks this way because he recognizes that this is, this is life and death matter stuff. And, uh, you know, obviously you can't force faith. He understands that as well. But he also understands that there will be no faith without the word of God. And so it's, it's just simply imperative that the people know this, if they have the opportunity uh, uh, to know it. So, so yeah, he, he does not, uh, uh, he, he, <laughs> you know, what, when I heard these words here, when I read them over and over again, I, I, I thought about so many of our parishes if the pastor simply stood up and said, okay, we're going to have catechism examination now. And, and you know, most of the people failed it. And he said, um, you're not Christian and I'm not letting you come to the sacrament. <laughs> Can you imagine the fireworks that would go off in that moment? But, mm -hmm. but that's how urgent this is for Luther. He recognizes that, you know, if you don't have the word of God and the catechism really is the, 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 the foundational expression of it. If you don't have the word of God, you don't have Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. And so it just has to be. He speaks very clearly, which at first it sounds very caustic. Like he's just being mean Luther. You're, you're mean Luther. And, mm -hmm. but he's really, he's not speaking and saying, what, you don't have all the books memorized. He's not saying, mm -hmm. oh, you don't, you don't know who, you know, Enoch was, you don't know who this person was. You don't know who Melchizedek was. How dare you even consider yourself to be a Christian? No, he's speaking about the basic premise, law, gospel, um, prayer, all of those things. This is very simple that yeah, I think he's actually calling people to task too. If, you know, let's be serious here. 
If you don't care about the Ten Commandments, the prayer, uh, Lord's Prayer, and the Creed, then I'm, I'm really going to question if you actually believe. And I think that's an approach we can have today is like, listen, if you're not wanting to learn this, then we have some real spiritual issues because this is the bare bones. This is not <laughs> deep, deep stuff. This is the bare bones. It's rich and it's, it's beneficial um, to be, make one wise for salvation. But it, this is not asking a lot. And now we have to have a whole different discussion if you say no. Let me add to that as well. And this is anecdotal. Um, there was a girl in my previous parish, uh, and 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 frankly, I'm 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 humbled by what happened, and I'm grateful that the Lord let me uh, see this. She was high functioning Down syndrome. She nailed the whole catechism. Mm. High functioning Down syndrome nailed the whole catechism. Now, that's how doable it is. And we can all do it. We can simply make it happen. And he tells us a little more about the process. And this is where Luther is a teacher. You know, he is, he is just not only a, a, a staunch proclaimer of the truth, preaching, but he's also a great teacher because he understands learning. And I, I think about this all the time as my kids go through school and the process of learning and then realizing my own failures in my own education and, and how, wow, what's the stuff that I always remembered? I remembered almost everything from 1987 to 1993 of the Minnesota Twins. I remembered almost everything from 1988 until 1995 of the Minnesota Vikings. Why? Because every night before I went to bed, I would read my football magazine. And every night before bed, I would read my baseball magazine. And guess what? Over and over and over again, I remembered it. So why? Mm -hmm. Why did I remember that? Because <laughs> not, That's because I was interested is because I was catechizing myself, memorizing over and over and over again. And that's mm -hmm. what Luther understood about who we are as God's creation. So let's continue, page 365. In the second place, after they had learned the text well, teach them the meaning also, so that they know what it means. Again, choose the form of these tables or some other brief uniform method, whichever you like, and hold to it. Do not change a single syllable, just as was said about the text. Take your time in doing this, for it's not necessary for you to explain all the parts at once, but one after the other. After they understand the first commandment well, then explain the second, and so on. Otherwise, they will be overwhelmed, so they'll not be able to remember anything well. In the third place, after you had taught them this short catechism, then take up the large catechism and give them also a richer and fuller knowledge. Here enlarge upon every commandment, article, petition, and part of it with its various works, uses, benefits, dangers, and injuries, as you find these abundantly stated in many books written about these matters. In particular, urge the commandment or part that most suffers the greatest neglect among your people. For example, the seventh commandment about stealing must be strongly urged among mechanics and merchants and even farmers and servants. For among these people, many kinds of dishonesty and stealing prevail. So too, you must drive home the fourth commandment among the children and the common people, so they may be quiet and faithful, obedient and peaceable. You must also offer many examples from the scriptures to show how God has punished or blessed such persons. 
So he has a second and third place that's very practical for then. And what I love too, Pastor, before we get to that, is he is showing there's hope. You know, it's easy for us in our culture to say everything's going down anyways. There's no hope. But here, as he believes in the word of God, believes that Christ has died for all, forgiveness, life, and salvation, that he'll very strongly profess here in the small catechism, he understands that there's always hope because the God of all creation has sent his son to die for us sinners. So that's why it runs through this is he's showing good practical ideas grounded in the hope that we have in Christ. What are your thoughts on these two practical thoughts here in the second and third place? Well, it's, uh, he, he takes up this idea of the large catechism, um, which, as you know, it, it is larger. It is more prosaic. It's not in a form that's designed to be uh, recited. It's more of an explanation. And, uh, and within that, um, he, he spoke very pastorally that, you know, that each pastor has got to figure out what his people need that, 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 that distinct to them as a congregation or as a culture. And Luther seemed to think that there was a lot of problem with stealing or, or, or maybe um, uh, obeying parents. Uh, I, I, well, wouldn't it all surprise me if most pastors today would stop and think, you know, really, we probably need to work harder on, on the sixth commandment on, on uh, you shall not commit adultery. And, and really, uh, all the, the the sexual practices that exist outside of marriage in our culture that are uh, that are approved by our culture, which simply the sixth commandment simply forbids, uh, because uh, the Lord only joined one man and one woman uh, to be married for life, and that's where that belongs. Probably need to be working uh, real hard on that. So yeah, there's this uh, there's this very pastoral practical side to uh, to Luther and and how he understands the, the the pedagogy really the teaching and he speaks very very strongly in the second place where he speaks okay learn the first commandment once they've learned that go to the second commandment and mm-hmm. the time range is quite fascinating to me because it is there's such a pressure in our world to say okay you have this kid seventh grade, maybe sixth, seventh, eighth grade, we got to just get all the info in. As long as they get it in, then it's going to be just fine. And then you have a kid who misses a few classes or, you know, they just don't show up or whatever it might be. It's very, he's very patient in how he's speaking Mm -hmm. about this. That is once they learn one, then go to the next. He doesn't say, by the way, by the time they're 14, they're done learning. It's a long process that is really individualized as well. He doesn't say, you know, if that kid is behind, just leave him in the dust. No, this is a lifelong process process. Any thoughts on how we tend to hurry our catechesis and hurry through this as much as, as quick as possible? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that was, that's an abiding frustration for me. And I think for a lot of pastors, um, that, that, uh, old pastor, we always confirm on Palm Sunday or, or we always confirm on the first Sunday in May or whatever you, you name it. The moment you put that stake in the ground in the calendar, uh, you violated Luther's principle here. That the important thing is not that you have a date when you say, ah, now we're going to do confirmation. The important thing is that you're learning. Indeed, in the uh, preface to the large catechism, 
uh, Luther talked about himself and learning the catechism and that, 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 that he sees the small catechism as a lifetime block. It, 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 there's, there's never any time that you've just learned it. You rather, you're just always breathing it. And, and if, if we go back to, um, what we read right in the beginning from Deuteronomy chapter six, you know, when you're, when, when you're, when you're sitting down, when you're walking in the way, um, when you're lying down uh, to go to sleep, that, that, that it's, it's just ongoing. It's breathing. It's normal. There's never any time when you're done with it in this life. Pastor, we look at towards the end of our time, which is about four minutes left. I do want to get <laughs> back to the beginning. So for you, our listeners in the, the small catechism, um, which is the 2017 versions, Luther's small catechism, which is page 13, that there are six chief parts. And so we look at this, our goal as we look through the small catechism is to encourage our listeners because each part is very, you know, it's intentionally put together, the small catechism. And, and you've, you've laid this all very well that the small catechism is a great place to start. So can you kind of break it down how this is laid out and why it's important for us today, which is each chief part of the small catechism? Sure. Yeah. And, 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 and by the way, every, every member of, of the Lutheran church, Missouri Synod and every pastor mm -hmm. uh, takes vows to this doctrine. So this is just basic uh, doctrine that we share together. Uh, the, the first part is that we have the 10 commandments and they show us, uh, the law of God and which shows us our sin and our need. And so we then immediately hear, uh, the creed, the apostles creed, which tells us really all the good things that God does for us. Uh, and then of course the, the absolute center of that is that Jesus, uh, dies for our sins and, and, and gives us his righteousness in place of our unrighteousness. That then is followed by the uh, teaching on the Lord's prayer, uh, which is the template for how we talk to God. This is a relationship. It's a living relationship. Um, and then from there, we move on to baptism, which tells us how this life in Christ begins. Uh, and then of course, the famous words from Romans chapter six, that you, you in baptism, you rise to walk in newness of life. See, baptism is something that that has an imprint on all of the Christian life from then on. Um, well, you know, we make a mess of it. And so there's, uh, there's some medicine. And fifth is the uh, confession and absolution where we, uh, which really refreshes and recharges the, uh, the life that we received in our baptism. And then finally, we have the sacrament of the altar, which is, which is really the family meal where, where our life in Christ it is nourished uh, uh, together with his own body uh, and blood. And altogether, it, that, that package is just what Christian life is. Pastor, with about a minute left in our time, you had a way that you taught your children and our listeners, maybe they have small children, maybe they're grandparents, uh, maybe they're just a, 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 just a member in their congregation. How would you encourage them, one, to be in the small catechism, and two, teach where God would give them an opportunity to teach God's word? Yeah, well, first of all, 
um, have the book ready to hand, <laughs> look at it frequently, speak it out loud in your own hearing and the hearing of anyone who is near you in whatever nooks and crannies of time and life that you have. It's remarkably flexible. You can do it while you're driving. Uh, you can do it while you're standing in line at the grocery store. You can do it in all kinds of places. Grandparents can do it. Aunts and uncles can do it. Um, surrogate grandparents, surrogate aunts and uncles. Uh, it, it's just really useful and doable. And nothing but blessing comes from it. So we dust off that small catechism and get confessing. The Reverend Dr. Leonard Payton, pastor of St. John Lutheran Church in Forest Park, Illinois, confessing the truth of God's word with us today. Pastor Payton, thank you for teaching us the truth of God's word. Thank you. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, district president of the Minnesota North District. Thank you for joining us. I, I tell you what, I'm even more excited about the small catechism. So I'm excited to join with you every week. So the Lord be with you and keep you safe in the palm of his hand.